all things MMA on KCLR. My name is Ken McGuire, joined as always, as we do every week, uh, by Miles Price, who for the purposes of video for this week is in the, the top left-hand corner. Uh, and below, we have head coach of Point Blank Submissions uh, and chair of the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association, Tim Murphy. Uh, Tim, uh, thank you very much for taking the time out uh, of your day today to have a chat with us. Um, first and foremost, how are you? How are things? Nobody asks me how I am anymore. Um, yeah, doing well, uh, surviving lockdown as best we can. Hopefully we'll be back training soon enough, but you know, who knows when that's going to be yet, but hopefully in the next few months. Fingers crossed, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it's going. Uh, Tim, for, for, for the uninitiated, uh, Emma, the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association, can you give us a bit of a background as to, to what it is and, and how it came to be? Sure. Uh, so it originally was founded as the Irish Amateur Pancreation Association. Pancreation being uh, an old name in the ancient Olympics and the Greek or Greek Olympics uh, for mixed martial arts in those days. And it was originally um, affiliated under the Irish Amateur Wrestling Association, which obviously the NGB for wrestling in Ireland. Um, then was it 18, 17, 18? Um, it became the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association and tried to become a fully-fledged association in its own right with a view to becoming the uh, recognised body for mixed martial arts in Ireland. Hasn't been an easy road. <laughs> um, it has not been an easy road. Uh, so I wasn't involved directly at uh, that point when it was founded. My, my club was a member, but I wasn't directly involved in running an association. So I got involved maybe, I'm not entirely sure, maybe two years ago. Okay. I'm with COVID now. And yeah, it's early days just trying to get a structure on the, the, the guys are trying to get a structure on the association just the same things as any other sporting association or, or governing body in terms of you know uh, club insurance and memberships and all that type of thing uh, coaching courses and that and that's all like that's really blossomed and that's gone very well I think um, and we can talk about that in terms of the national team and all that that's all yeah. been very positive where it's gone very difficult is actually to get any sort of formal recognition uh, for the sport in Ireland um, that's proven quite difficult, uh, which, which is is somewhat of a surprise. In some ways, it's not a surprise at all. Um, in other ways, it, it is somewhat of a surprise. Uh, so, as most people would be aware, a few years ago there was a tragic death at an MMA event in Ireland. Um, Joao Carvalho um, losing his life after after a fight in a show in Dublin. Um, at that point, the association uh, came under quite a lot of pressure to get formal practices in place, uh, formal safety standards that events uh, would uh, run against and all, all that type of thing and to get that in place. And there's a lot of pressure from government and from various bodies. Uh, there was a lot of negative, obviously, uh, media coverage of that as well. Um, so the push and the pressure was very much on at the time that MMA has to get its, its house in order in Ireland and then it has to become a recognised body. You know, you can't just have different promoters running off different standards which is, you know, can be the case nowadays, um, in not just in mixed martial arts and in, in any other combat sport, pretty much any sport really. Um, but there was a strong push that you would have to have standardized uh, safety procedures uh, for athletes, uh, for how shows would run and all of that. And you'd have to push to become a proper uh, governing body. Um, and then basically what happened was that all these kind of formal processes and formal standards were put in place. Uh, and there was a lot of work done um, by a lot of different people to get those in place. And now our safety standards and our processes are as good as anyone or generally better than anywhere in the world. Um, so that's all happened. But now off the back of that, you'd be thinking, okay, well, the next step is that we should be able to get that recognition and we should be acknowledged for that. We're effectively being um, 
been blocked and we've made kind of very little progress on the formal side to, to get that acknowledgement that we've done all that work and to get it um, recognized by Sport Ireland. So what's what's the block or what's the hold up? Is it uh, is it uh, I don't want to say it's a is it an ignorance side of things. I know there's there's still negative connotations around uh, MMA in Ireland from those that are probably on on the fringes or those that only see the negative aspects of of the sport or or certain downsides of the sport. Is it a political side of things? Where 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 does the blockage seem to be? Um, I think it is largely political, um, which is unfortunate, but it's not terribly surprising. So just to give people um, just a quick background, you would have Sport Ireland, which would be overseeing the recognition of various sporting bodies uh, for all sports in Ireland. Um, and there would be a lot of bodies already underneath that. So what the what the general structures that they try to promote these days is that you would have, where possible, umbrella groups for similarly, similar sports. So instead of every different martial art being recognised, you'd have one umbrella group that the other martial arts would feed into. Um, now, the older, kind of more established martial arts in Ireland uh, wouldn't go that route. They're all recognised individually. Mm-hmm. But the general thought process would be that other new martial arts or combat sports would be recognised underneath the Irish Martial Arts Commission. So that's a, the Irish Martial Arts Commission, or IMAC, is a recognised body under Sport Ireland. And then they'd have a, numerous uh, subgroups underneath that. So... Our, like what we wanted initially is that we would be recognized directly by Sport Ireland, but there was a lot of pushback against that. They don't want to go that route and they would want us to become members instead, affiliates instead of the Irish Martial Arts Commission. Um, and we get kind of recognition through that, uh, which sounds all very well and good in theory, but the Irish Martial Arts Commission um, made it very clear at different points in time uh, in the past that they wanted nothing to do with mixed martial arts. Um, said a lot of derogatory things really um, in the past at least um, face to face with us they're always you know, polite and respectful but that, that is what, what they said at various times in the past and they're essentially blocking um, our application to them on, on a rule which I can go into in a second and that's kind of where we are where we're being told we can't affiliate directly with Sport Ireland and we have to go the IMAC route and now the I, IMAC thing that, that they don't want us no so um yeah, sorry to put a cut across you there, Tim. Um, from my my perspective here, um, obviously I would have known about the incident that happened with a uh, with Joe Calvalo. Is that his? Was that how you pronounce his name? I believe uh, so. No, but I'm correction. Yeah, he's a Portuguese guy. He fought Charlie yeah. Ward, I think, wasn't it? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, but from this, there's been a lot of good, you know. Uh, it's very unfortunate, obviously, the, the event. Nobody wants to see anything like that happen, you know. But to become the most regulated country in, like, in regards to or one of the top countries in regards to regulating safety and mixed martial arts, it was kind of like there was a lot of good that came from this circumstances, these circumstances yeah. as well, you yeah. know. And yeah, no, that's true. And like, it is a shame sometimes that it has to happen, but that that can yeah. unfortunately, yes, yeah. But in, in regards to when you say rival sports are among the board that are um, conflicting against prohibiting well-deserved recognition in regards to government bodies in Ireland, what rival sports are you kind of referencing to? Um, well, just kind of need to be a little bit careful on that. But just maybe at first, the reason that they told us that our uh, application was rejected is because... Um, 
the international body for amateur mixed martial arts, that would be the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation, or IMAF. Sorry for anyone listening with all these acronyms that can be a little bit difficult, I know. But the international body, basically, um, which uh, anyone involved in amateur MMA at all in Ireland or anywhere will know, like, this is a serious international body with a lot of backing, super organised, very uh, very well run, and very impressive, the championships they run. Um, but they have not yet got sport accord status, so that'd be, like, international status for various sporting bodies. And again, the reason, as far as we can see, the reason that they haven't got that status yet, they've been applying for numerous years, and they meet all known criteria for it, but they seem to be blocked again. And it would appear that they're being blocked purely for political reasons as well, where you have rival sports that are kind of have a, nearly a veto over what gets recognised or not, which again, it seems to me, both nationally and internationally, like it's a bit of an eye-opener for me. It seems a very strange uh, way to do business because uh, it is like a blatant conflict of interest where, say, internationally, if you have boxing recognised, you have you know, Thai boxing, you have all these other sports recognised, and they're the ones that get to have a say on whether a new similar sport um, gets recognised or not. A sport that's essentially so, for them, for athletes, you know, that seems like a strange uh, way of doing business, but that is... How it is done, or so seriously. would it be fair to would it be fair to say that it's it would be somewhat personal? Do you feel, and that's why he's being? Helped? Yeah, I don't. I, like at the international level, I couldn't say I don't know enough about it. But at the international level, um, IMAF are currently being blocked from recognition, and the the rule for the Irish Martial Arts Commission is that any new body needs to have their international federation needs to have this sport accord status, which our international body currently have. So they're using that as a rule to say, okay, you don't meet this criteria. Um, so you can't join our association, which on the face of it does not seem unreasonable at all. You know, so you have a, a well-established international body, and they're recognising the Irish body if they have that that criteria. But when you look a bit more deeply into it, there are uh, eight groupings of martial arts within the Irish Martial Arts Commission, and I checked it out, and only four of those groups actually have the same sport accord status that they require new members to have. So it seems like a clear and obvious double standard to me again that the uh, existing members don't need to meet this criteria, but any new members do need to meet that criteria, which seems quite strange. Um, doesn't really seem consistent. And in terms of like recognizing sports and having proper facilities for sports and safety standards and all that, um, it doesn't seem like a really strong enough reason to uh, reject our application, but that is the stated reason uh, they have given so far. Um, my suspicion, obviously, and I can't confirm that or not, though, would be that, okay, if our international federation got that status in the morning, in the next few months, which is entirely possible, they'll eventually probably win that battle, I would imagine. Um, once that happens, then that's no guarantee that we would be accepted members at that point. Um, then it would just move on to possibly what's the next objection to have. So there's absolutely no guarantee and no clarity, um, which I've asked for, for from the Martial Arts Commission, the Irish Martial Arts Commission, uh, what would be the next step if that was to happen? Uh, so that would that's one roadblock. Um, I would be surprised if there wasn't additional roadblock roadblocks put up in front of us as well. It it seems to be a weird one from from where from where I'm sitting, Tim, on on the sidelines. In that we've got clubs around the country that that start MMA programs in kind of teens and teens upwards, and those teens 
train uh, you know one day a week two days a week three days a week four days a week seven days a week whatever the case may be and they really enjoy their club side of things and they might get involved in amateur competitions locally or in-house competitions and then they get picked up um, uh, when you you'd mentioned the IMAFs so you have the Europeans you have the Asians you have the, the, the world championships you have all of those kind of things going on uh, we send teams over here and those teams um, go with uh, professional coaches they go kitted out in their finest of gear they come back with gold medals the the amateurs go back and they'll compete again and they'll win more medals and some of those amateur athletes go on to start professional careers and do big things they're flying the flag for Ireland we're really big at championing our boxers and our show jumpers and our footballers and everything else that's that's happening you know when when the Irish go abroad but yet we're still hitting a a, a brick wall when it comes to this yeah that is a, that's entirely true um, I think a lot of it is well I, I don't know really um, I think at least some of it like is the the lack of kind of knowledge and perception about I mean people think mixed martial arts they think McConnor McGregor or they think going to big shows in, in the three arena um, they don't necessarily think of the amateur championships uh, they don't think of all the groundwork clubs and I mean if you look at like in the last 10 or 15 years, the explosion of MMA clubs in the country, uh, like full-time, like good quality facilities has, you know, has been, has been incredible. And that's like, I don't, there's any other martial art, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but there's no other martial arts or other combat sports or I'd say probably any activity that has seen any type of similar growth where you have, you know, full-time academies, like mm. jump there to the, to MMA really taken off in this country along with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu you didn't really see that you know you didn't see these full-time academies you saw some of them like, but by quite small numbers um, whereas nowadays it's much more common and you see all, all those clubs doing well and um, it's great to see and you see you know athletes coming through going off to like the IMAFs are serious international uh, standard for elite uh, amateur athletes you know if anyone wants to go and watch it you see the top guys uh, that win those competitions it's a very very high standard similar to like you see uh, at amateur boxing level the top amateur boxers are are like exceptionally high level athletes like you know it's not like oh you're a run below professional like they're quite elite in their own ways in a lot of ways can be you know much better than low level professionals realistically um, so it is very disappointing and like some of it is on is on us as a community as well that we need to keep showing that it's not you know it's not all the smack talk on television and it's not all you know that type of professional sports which draws in a lot of fans most of it in fact it's the amateur game it's the local events it's things like that so a lot of it is some well some of it is on is on us to do that and you know the thing is uh, is there an interest in the media in general for that like amateur sport at most levels you know is not always the most exciting to report on whereas reporting on a scandal you know, somebody says some tweet or whatever um, that tends to get more traction, unfortunately, because that's that's just the world we live in, which is yeah. a um, but yeah, hard to hard to fix that. Can we be, we might come back to the international side of things again? Um, safety came up at the at the beginning and at the outset, and and I know that it's it's one of the. It's one of the, the, the cornerstones of, of what Emma has been working on and, and striving towards. Can you give us an idea, Tim, on, on, on what's happened or what has changed in terms of safety standards for MMA at, at an amateur level uh, with the work that you've been doing? Sure. Okay. So um, in terms of the amateur level sport, 
Um, most of it would be at a comparable level to um, to boxing, to Olympic boxing. So you'd have your annual or every six months of blood tests. You'd have a doctor's checkup every six months. Um, and then when you compete, you'd have a, a pre-fight medical. You'd also have a post-fight medical. And there'd be, you know, there's a, a criteria for the amount of doctors and, um, and medical personnel and everyone that would be at each event, um, which is, you know, very good standard. We're at some expense to the organisers, but that's just the way it is. It would be a lot higher now than it would be, say, 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, what, what we've implemented in Ireland, which has not been done by any other combat sport anywhere in the world, is that there's no requirement uh, that before you have your first amateur match, um, so that's before you step into the ring or the cage for the first time to have a competition, that you would have a MRI scan on your brain. And that would just so that you can get the all clear that you have no pre-existing conditions that would be make it a bad idea for you to be involved in contact sports. And so oftentimes there might be something that happened in training. There might be something, you know, you, you got hit by a hurley um, by your brother. Uh, they could be, you know, whatever the reason might be, they might be related to your sport at all. And they're generally not specific. The risk wouldn't be specific to mixed martial arts. It could be for boxing, for, for rugby, for, for any, any number of sports where there's a higher risk of getting hit. Um, so that was a precondition to be brought in that you need to be cleared. Um, so we worked uh, with Dan Healy, he's a professor um, in Beaumont University, or in Beaumont Hospital, rather. Um, so he was able to uh, get those scans done for, or arrange a system where those scans are done nearly cost price, um, which is very good. And then those scans get reviewed by him pro bono, which is an amazing thing that he, he does. Um, when you wouldn't need to do. Uh, so basically everyone needs to get cleared. So you get cleared beforehand um, and then you'd be signed off on the Safe MMA uh, website. Uh, so the Safe MMA is a charity based in the UK that, um, you know, for, in the lack of a governing bodies or, you know, something that would track all this, that they take care of, like looking after the fight, fighter records, so that's their medicals, that's their MRIs, and that's giving them advice on, you know, when they should compete again, if they have competed, if they suffered a knockout or what have you. Uh, so those safety standards, I think, uh, like are on par with say elite boxing and then this additional requirement kind of takes above anything else really so you have that MRI scan at the start so you get a clean bill of health and that gives you um, not just to give you a clean bill of health but it also gives you a benchmark that if you are having any issues later on in life um, or a few years down the line that you have that benchmark that you can go back and compare it against as well So do you feel like that these um like it's obviously very, very regulated. Like even when I compared to when I was competing back in the, uh, I don't know if you're, you surely do remember the, you must have competed in a couple of the tribal warfare shows back in the day, did you Tim? <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's proper old school that day, wasn't it? <laughs> Good times. Good times yeah, that now, yeah. Good. So I my tribal warfare belt hanging up in the gym. Oh, do you? Yeah. What was it? Your intercontinental or the universal or they had a couple of names, didn't he, Mark? <laughs> Intergalactic, I believe it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. George Lucas eats your heart out on that one. Well, I wasn't going to say. Um, but if you compare the standards even back then, even competing amateur to pro to now, I mean, <clears throat> the drastic difference, uh, I can't help but kind of um, maybe compare a little bit to like maybe you could give me give us a little bit more insight in this but was it as difficult for boxing when back in the day when they were trying to integrate into a governing body like into Ireland you know is it just like a similar process where it's just general human nature where it just takes a little bit of a push and kind of getting 
going through the resistance a little bit and then eventually you'll get that recognition and it'll happen you know it just takes that time yeah i, I would hope so yeah i think it's a case of that you we just need to keep pushing at it um and keep pushing it with regards to boxing i'd say that's, i'm not sure when that was established but it would have been way way back in the day i'd imagine so i'm not sure what it have been like different in those days i don't know the safety standards would have been completely different so yeah yeah I think it probably is a case that we just need to keep pushing at it and not take no for an answer. Um, what, what is kind of frustrating is that because it's just that kind of pushback, and like I've spoken with Sport Ireland, with uh, the Irish Martial Arts Commission, different uh, journalists, different people, it's like if you want to tell us, okay, we're doing something wrong here or there's some activity we're doing wrong and, and like give us reasons for that because if there's something we're doing wrong, we, we can try to change that and fix it. But that has never been the case. No one's ever said after a presentation I've given, oh no, you're missing, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's always been, you know, oh, that's all. That's great. That all looks very positive. And then it kind of goes nowhere, um, which is disappointing, you know, realistically. And I, I think there is always a pushback in new sports. And like there is a pushback, I think, with mixed martial arts and that it looks different to boxing. I think people are used to the idea of boxing and they're used to the idea of getting ahead standing and they can kind of accept that. They see MMA and it is different and there's kicks flying and there's punches on the ground and that. And that does take a bit of getting used to that. And somebody who doesn't know what they're looking at, it can seem like a bit of an all-out brawl if you don't know what you're looking at. But obviously that that isn't the case, you know. So it's about changing that perception. And I think a lot of it just, you know, I mean, there, there's probably an element of snobbery as well from maybe the, the older martial arts that are involved. And there's probably also an element of, of fears that they've probably lost a lot of ground, I would say, over the last 10 or 15 years. MMA in terms of uh, participation numbers and all that, so I'd, I'd be surprised. Of course, yeah. Factor as well, if they're being honest. And there's also yeah. factors talking about some of the traditional martial arts. Some of them can be a little bit strange and they're a little bit particular in how, how they like to do things. And it, I don't think a lot of them yeah. like the, um, the combat sport approach to things, where you don't have everyone lining up and you don't have everyone wearing matching uniforms and uh, and that. And I think that's probably a factor as well. And that's why you know yeah. a, a conflict of interest is if they are the people that are having a I see on whether something's recognized or not. It doesn't it doesn't seem appropriate to me at least anyway. And yeah, it fear seems to have a big big part to play in that because if it does become recognized, then it's you know, it, it kind of gives the control away that the, the last bit of control they may have, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a bit of yeah, so it is a bit of a, a strange situation here where people that are not involved in these sports themselves at all are are having quite a strong say over, over what happens. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> It doesn't seem appropriate to me, like I said. Yeah. Like I said, I can't predict me on that. I'd like to hear the arguments, really. Does um does money come into it at all, Tim? Because I I would imagine you go to to you get formal recognition. Sport Ireland are, are there. There's certain funding packages and and things that that can be availed of. Um, m- might that be seen as as a as a block that maybe they don't want to be pumping cash into it? Yeah, that could be the case as well. Yeah, that could well be the case. So yeah, each governing body will get you know a certain amount of funding in terms of like the different martial arts groups and things like that. I doubt it's extre- very high. Being realistic, obviously, boxing gets a lot of funding, um, but most other groupings probably don't get huge amounts. But then again, it's it's a kind of funny situation where if you have a, an umbrella group where you have like completely different associations, so you have like Aikido in Egypt, you have Taekwondo, you have kickboxing. And you know they would all be entitled to a, a slice of that of that cake. So you add more groups in there, and presumably you would dilute that down again. Um, yeah, so that's another possible kind of factor where you know it's kind of in probably um, or presumably in in 
in the, the recognized body's interest not to have more recognized bodies. Let's jump forward maybe six months, 12 months, 24 months. Uh, Emma are formally uh, recognized. What's, what's the vision or, or what happens then? Yeah, well, I guess for most people, you know, day-to-day, presuming in a post-COVID land, we uh, get back to training and competing again. Like, for a lot of people, it might make a huge amount of difference. So, like, the main work that's going to help people, I think, and that's going to help the sport is the stuff that, you know, Andy Ryan is doing, um, Limo Griffin and uh, Danny Cora and people like that. Uh, so, they're the ones that are trying to you know, running uh, squad sessions, selecting teams to go to championships um, and that type of stuff. And that's what you know really important to, to actual athletes. And most people won't care what I'm doing, to be honest with you, um, in terms of talking about Sport Ireland, you know, I just think it's a boring subject because, you know, it is in a lot of ways. Um, but so that's what's actually important. And also what we'd like to start growing as well is running more um, novice championships and your know, in-house competitions and things like that so that we would run them through the association just to, and you know running at teenage levels kind of small level competitions because that's what actually grows sport really like that's what's really important getting back to to doing those type of things like grow sport that then will you know that'll be would say the bulk of people and then that would feed into like an all-ireland championship hopefully down the line where you get to kind of the top amateur guys start competing in that and that obviously then feeds into team national team squad sessions and uh, joint international trips so just basically improving the structures and sporting opportunities uh, for, for all athletes, be it just the recreation people. So you have a 16-year-old that just wants to do you know, a few novice championships, doesn't want to take it too seriously, just have a bit of fun. And then but to give them that pathway. So you know, that'll be probably the bulk of people are just like that. And then to give, but to give the people that are a bit more serious, that want to put more time into it, that they can go up through the levels and that they have a clear pathway that they can go, okay, going from you know, novice level, to national level uh, national championships and then if you want to want internationally you have that support and you have that structure to do that and then if you want to go pro down the line that you have the opportunity to do that as well and um, whereas say back in the day there was no such thing as I know like when I was fighting when Miles was started fighting way back in the day I mean you might have one or two amateur fights and then you have a pro fight you know two weeks later and that's just the way it was we're trying to move away from that and the sport in general is moving away from that is moving towards you would have, you know, a lot of amateur fights and amateur fights is not like you do two or three of them, then you turn pro. No, it's like you might have 20 or 30 or 40 and light in boxing. You'd have a lot of amateur experience. And then, you know, because you have that avenue that you've a, a progression to go along. And then if you, maybe you want to go pro, a lot of people probably won't bother, you know. Does it require buy-in or, or support from, from you know, at, at club level, whether it's Point Blank or whether it's Rhino or SBG or whoever the case is, is is, is there good support on the ground for it? Um, yeah, no, I think I think in general there is good support. So most most of the clubs in the country, um, I wouldn't have had an exact breakdown, but most of the clubs are members of the association. Um, and obviously we'd like to keep, you know, we'd like to keep improving that. So not everyone is, um, but the majority of people are. Um, yeah. And with like my view on, on, on that would be like you know, the association, you join the association as a club, then you know you get your club insurance as part of that. Uh, that's part of the thing with it. And then you you're you have the ability to send your members to squad sessions, things like that. We also have individual memberships. So if you want to get involved, you, you get an individual excuse me, you pay for an individual membership and you get a card and that, and then you can go on, you can do gradings, um, you can do uh, the squad sessions, things like that. It does require buy-in. Like no, nobody's going to be forced to join the association if you don't want to join it. Um, you want to stay on the outside. That's that's entirely everyone's own business, and there's no there's no reason you know you don't have to you don't have to join. You can run your own um, 
novice championships or anything else without joining if you want. But what I would say to people, and people are kind of a bit on the fence, that, um, and anyone that's been involved in other martial arts will kind of know about these things as well. That's so I was involved in Taekwondo for many years before I got involved in MMA. And there's like, I don't know how many national associations, five, ten, who can say anymore? Like I can't, I can't keep up with them. And similarly, there's like any number of international bodies. You know, there's like probably five or six world championships every year. Um, I know, and it can be similar in kickboxing things. Well, even though there are main ones in kickboxing, um, like if you want MMA to go that route, you know, we can all have our own association. You can end up with five different associations, five different national championships, and all this type of stuff. Like that is not a good route to go down. Like it should be a case of. You, you have one national governing body that everyone is a member of, or as many people as possible, and then you have one championship, you know? It shouldn't just be a case of what happens in other martial arts is that myself and Miles and Andy, we get on, so we have one association, and then, uh, you know, other guys, the SPG guys, end up having their other association, and they just don't talk. Um, and that's not a good route to go down. It should be, a, a national governing body should be something where everyone is a member of. You don't have to be best buddies with everyone on, in the association. You know, why would you be? You, like in GA, in um, in the FAI, do you think every club or every members or buddies are not? They're just all part of one association. And that's, I think, important, that buy-in, that will make the you know, sport stronger, particularly compared to these other um, combat sports, I think. Miles, what does it what would what would it mean for you as somebody who's also running a club? I mean to, to get things like structures and gradings and being able to, you know, push people onto regionals and nationals. I mean, uh, I think it's something that every martial artist in a mixed martial artist in particular in Ireland has been kind of urging for for years. You know, I, I particularly have um, <clears throat> very interested in everything that Tim has to say there. I can really resonate with it. And I just feel like if you have a governing body for mixed martial arts for young athletes, you're giving them the sense that they have structure, they have something that's official and it gives confidence as well to all the coaches that are involved. And I love the reference to the FAI, you know, there should be one governing body where everybody fights for one championship, uh, one national championship. And there's just something there, great structure, a structure that pretty much I, I wouldn't have had, or Tim wouldn't have had. And anybody starting off years ago wouldn't have had, you know, and the effort I feel like that's put into mixed martial arts these days and the, the possibilities for young men um, that don't necessarily want to, you know, compete, but if they do compete, uh, it, it could propel them and build their confidence to do better things with their lives anyway, you know? So it's not all just about competing, you know, having a governing body is to get people off the couch and have the confidence to know this is official. This is something that's big and supported and it can bring us me to new heights and it can, ripple effect into many different avenues in somebody's life you know so i feel like that it's just going to really bring everything together as a whole and it's worth fighting for and it's guys like tim who are on the front forefront of that and i think that and um, that you need a big clap in the back for that tim to be honest with you because that's a lot of hard work and that's uh that's 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 difficult like you know you're you're up against a lot of resistance and a lot of negative feedback i would have thought a lot at the time with a lot of effort that's been yeah. put in along with a personal life and a work life like you know so fair play cheers thank you very much. And just to kind of just echo what you're saying there again but also like to give people that formal recognition that they are doing something real it also can apply to you know like like my mother is bringing a teenager down to a club just you know she walks in she's okay this is uh affiliated club with Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association, you know, 
they know then that that means this club is insured. Uh, the coaches have done coaching courses. They know, you know that it's a reputable body that is following standards. That um, you know if they're teaching underage kids that they have guard vetting done, all that stuff, and just like standard good practice for all sports. And I think that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for anything crazy. We're not looking for anything unreasonable. We're all martial artists. We're all sports people, and it's just to have those formal structures in place, same as you would expect of, of any club, basically, or, or any sport involved. And that's that's all we're looking for, really. And like, I don't think it's anything that unreasonable. Um, and again, so like if anyone watching for, if you are involved in a club that's not a member, I, I would just like talk, talk to talk to your instructor, ask them why not. And like people don't have to be, you know, like they don't have to be a huge fan of me. Um, I'm just volunteering my time to do this as is everyone else in the committee. If other people want to step up and help and get involved, um, you know, please do send me a message, send me an email. Um, you know, the more people involved in this, the better. And definitely the more people would, you know, diverse opinions, you know, that have, you know, might say I'm talking nonsense about something. Okay, that's fine. Let's hear their opinion. Let's, you know, it doesn't have all have to be everyone agreeing with everyone else. I mean, there should be a diversity of thought and there should be, because different directions sports can go. So I think everyone should be representative, you know, and if you're on the outside looking in, well, maybe try, maybe try uh, talking and seeing can you get in? Because I mean, this is, we're trying to do everything the right way. We're trying to, you know, not go into the mistakes because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of examples of, different associations and different sports doing things badly you know it's easy to find examples of that so we're trying to not do that we're trying to do things the right way so we'd have you know like if you're a member of the association now if you're an individual member um which you can sign up on say if you're a member of team rhino flick any you can go on you can get your individual membership that entitles you amongst other things if you have an interest of attending attending any agm or any egm and you have the same vote than, than I do. You have the same vote that John Gavin does. You know, so it's a democratic association, and we're trying to build those structures so that you know, there is buy-in from everybody. And if you have, if someone has an opinion, they want to be heard on something. That's you know, that's good. We'd encourage that. Like, you know, uh, Tim. Just before we we run out of time altogether, um, for for people that want to keep an eye on on what's going on or to learn a bit more about the association, where can we direct them to? Um, yeah, so the website is mmaireland.ie. Um, there's also a Facebook page. I think it's IMA online. If you put in Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association on the Facebook, you'll find it anyway. Um, same, there's an Instagram page, and well, I'm not sure is there Twitter or not, but yeah, you can check it out there. Um, the content on uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook is updated regularly, and it's well worth checking out. There's a, a nice back catalogue, really, of um, fighter profiles and club profiles and coach profiles different things like that so that's well worth to read and uh, give it a follow well look long long may the uh, long may the journey continue and hopefully it won't be as as fraught with brick walls and obstruction and everything else that it, it has hopefully been for the last while a bit of a tedious business trying to get over those walls <laughs> for sure uh, this has been all things MMA on Casey Laurie you can catch up as always online at scoreline.ie Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts and the KCLR app and of course on air every weekend uh, from 2 o'clock I have been Ken McGuire top left has been Miles Price and our guest today uh, has been Emma Chair and Head Coach of Point Blank Submissions, Mr. Tim Murphy. We will do this again next week. Good luck.